You're listening to the Geek Watch Podcast, Episode 52. The Geeks Are Back. This is the Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Mandy Petrie. Greetings, Geek Watchers, and welcome to 2019 and to episode 52 of the Geek Watch Podcast. I'm Brian Hatcher, and with me, as always, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Patrick. Hey, Brian, welcome back. Yeah, we uh, it took us a little while to get back. Uh, mm-hmm. Had some things I had to take care of the first part of January, but we are back and ready to go. For the mid-season premiere. For the mid-season <laughs> premiere, yes. And so... I think we came back at a good time. There were some trailers that popped up this week to talk about. Yeah, Definitely we got some other things to talk about. So, And there will be some spoilers on certain things, which and I'll let you guys know when we get to that part of it. But first of all, let's talk about some trailers that we saw. Because mm-hmm. there was three, actually, that really caught my attention. The first one, of course, was the final trailer for Captain Marvel. Well, like they had to sell this to me any more than, mm-hmm. than it was. But I'm really looking forward to this. This is like it's going to be a lot of fun. I was excited about it because I think this is the one where we've seen the most personality out of Carol right. so far in the past trailers. We've seen her beating people up. We've seen you know catchy one-liners and stuff. Now we see her having a conversation with Nick Fury, so we can see what we're going to get out of this character. Yeah, I, there definitely seems to be that buddy cop kind of a feeling mm-hmm. in this this final trailer, and seeing the play between Carol Danvers. And Nick Fury, a young, green Nick Fury. Mm-hmm. Gonna, that's going to be amazing. The Chinese New Year, of course, this year is the year of the pig. The pig, yeah. Mm-hmm. However, I have a feeling that this is actually the year of the Samuel L. Jackson, because he's going to be in a lot of stuff. Cause, yeah. Well, I mean, this Friday, we'll see him in Glass. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we'll see him in Captain Marvel. We'll see him in Mm Spider-Man. And we'll talk about that in a moment Mm because that teaser trailer just dropped. But we'll also see him in Mm -hmm. Avengers Endgame. So there's going to be a lot of Samuel L. Jackson Mm -hmm. goodness this year, especially for the geeks. So there'll be a lot to look forward to. But, uh, like I said, I, I didn't really need to see that trailer to encourage me to see this film. But it certainly got me excited to see it. And, of course, it's going to be our last real swipe until we get to Endgame. It'll be interesting to see how they set a lot of that stuff up because, of course, Captain Marvel is going to have a huge role in what comes up next. And there's been a lot of speculation on Endgame. I've watched some of it, even though I guess technically it it might be considered a spoiler, although it's not been these so-called spoilers, I would say. Well, I mean, these are just guesses people are making. Mm -hmm. and I mean, we're all been speculating about it, so... And the Russo brothers have been very, very tight-lipped about the movie. I mean, I tell you what, before I mention this, I, we might as well go into Spider-Man Far From Home. Mm-hmm. And that teaser trailer dropped, and wow, am I really, really <laughs> <Yeah>. excited. <laughs> of course, I'm a huge Spider-Man fan, and mm-hmm. you, you saw it also. Mm-hmm. So, what did you think? Well, I was really excited. Everything looks really good. All the, <laughs> all the kids in uh, Peter's class, they, have, they each have their own personality, and they're yeah. not just background, not just scenery, really. They each have their own personality, and yeah. I think that's really good. Yeah, I really like how they're developing Flash Thompson. He's very similar to the way he is in the comics. I mean, in the movie, he's he's not an athlete like, you know, Flash Thompson was a football player in the comics. Mm-hmm. But both Flash Thompsons are really big Spider-Man fans, and they really <laughs> hate Peter Parker. Yeah. 
In fact, in the comics, there was a point where Flash Thompson actually dressed as Spider-Man at one time and wound up getting caught by a supervillain. Uh-oh. I think it was Doctor Doom, actually. (laughs) And it put Peter Parker in a weird situation because he's like, man, my bullying problems are about to be over. Wait a minute. I can't. Tell him. Yes. It's like, I can't stand by and let Flash Thompson get hurt. He may be a jerk, but, you Mm -hmm. know... Spider-Man. But I'm Spider-Man, yes. I, I can't, you know, I can't stand by and let this happen. And the other thing, too, is that it's it's really interesting to see Mysterio being played as a hero. That was what got me, because we were talking about spoilers. And right. And I've seen so many websites putting out, check out the new Spider-Man trailer, and you're going to be introduced to the new villain, Mysterio. But the trailer didn't play him as a villain, so if you're not a fan of the comics, you didn't know he was a villain. And now you've got a spoiler saying, you know, they kind of look like they might develop a team and, you know, fight these bad guys together. Right. Well, if you've read the comics, of course, you know that uh, Mysterio, his first appearance, he played the role of a hero, but he was working behind the scenes as a villain. Which I have a feeling that's the way they're going to play it in the movie as well. But yeah, I'm sure some people were kind they of confused. They took out the twist. Yeah. They kind, of, they kind of took the twist out. But at the same time, a lot of people were complaining also that why did Sony release this trailer before Endgame? Because is that not a spoiler? Because we know... That Peter lives, Pe- yeah. That Peter lives and that Nick Fury will be back and all that. Although, I don't have as much of a problem with it because it's not like I didn't know that was going to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Here's the other thing, too, is that we talked about this before, and I'd made the suggestion that maybe there's a possibility that this movie would take place right after Homecoming, but before oh, Infinity okay. War. Mm-hmm. But the Russos came out and said, no, this takes place literally seconds after Endgame. So it does come after. So hmm. in a sense, okay. it's kind of a spoiler. Well, and the other thing, too, and a lot of people have been digging into this trailer, studying every little Easter egg that they could find. One thing that people noticed was when Happy came walking in with that big check, the charity is Tony Stark's charity, hmm. but it's signed by Pepper Potts. So they're like, wait a minute. Aww. So they're wondering, <laughs> does that mean that we've lost Tony Stark? Well, she's the day-to-day person, so that doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to lose Tony Stark. But, I mean, that may be a possibility. I mean, obviously. I mean, everybody is up for grabs in Endgame, so we don't know who we're going to lose. And we're probably going to lose some people. Mm -hmm. But I I thought it was really funny to see the trade-off between Happy and Aunt May. It's like oh, yeah. something's going on. He's like, "That's oh, it's a new dress. Oh, what yeah. What just happened here? Yeah. Well, the thing about it is, you know, he says, oh, that's a new dress. And she says, yeah, how, how did you know? <laughs> that became really awkward. <laughs> because how would he know? Is right. Like, so that's alarming. <laughs> so, and I have to say, Jake Gyllenhaal, the little bit that we saw in Mysterio, I was just completely on board for. I oh, yeah. enjoyed the heck out of it. Mm-hmm. Like I said, some people had some issues with the timing of when they released the teaser trailer. But like I said, honestly, I don't feel like it's it showed us anything we weren't expecting. Right. It's not like anybody thought, well, Spider-Man isn't coming back. Nobody really thought that way. I mean, at least not in that way. I'll say this. When I saw Homecoming, when they showed that this was the world, that they showed Miles Morales' uncle. And he, he mentions his nephew. That, to me, it was like kind of a bittersweet thing. I'm like, oh, they're in that world. Because those of us who've read The Ultimate Spider-Man know that in the Miles Morales world, where Miles Morales exists, 
young Peter Parker winds up dying, mm -hmm. and Miles takes over. So, does that mean that one day we're going to see Tom Holland die? I don't know. Mm. I mean, they can write that any way that they want, but you know, do we not get an older Miles Morales, an Peter older Parker. Peter Parker? Mm -hmm. Does he sacrifice himself eventually so that Miles Morales gets to take over? Which reminds me of something we'll talk about here in a little bit, but before we get to that, we got to talk about that third trailer. We get a teaser for Ghostbusters 3. Ah, but was that really a trailer or was it just a, a picture? That's all I saw was a picture. Well, there was a little bit of a trailer mm. where they're zooming into this barn and mm -hmm. you hear what sounds like somebody trying to get a proton pack to work mm. and you get that point where you see the tarp the, yeah you see you see the tarp and you see the ecto-1 Ecto -1. Mm -hmm. so we know that the, was the picture i saw was the yeah Ecto there there is a bit of a yeah there is a, a teaser trailer going with it and i'm trying to remember what the director's name is he's ivan reitman's son is going to be directing it <laughs> but that's pretty much all that we know about it but man about the time when we knew that this film was coming and we heard about it is when they brought up the teaser trailer. And it's going to take place in the original, the OG Ghostbusters world, but exactly what's going to take place, we don't... I mean, mm -hmm. nobody's saying anything at this point. I mean, all we have is this teaser. But again, I don't know how close they're going to be to, to starting principal photography on this film. I think they're still working on the script at this point. Mm. But they're definitely looking to get a lot of buzz for this. And I which I, ha I feel, have a feeling it has something to do with the last Ghostbusters movie didn't do so well. Mm -hmm. and so but I loved it. I did. I, I did, the last I did too. Movie. I mean, warts and all, I did, mm -hmm. I did enjoy it. I think, to be honest, the only problem that I really had with the 2016 Ghostbusters movie was the direction. I think Paul Feig, and as somebody who's done improv, I mean, you know this as well as anybody, because there's obviously a lot of improv in this movie. Mm-hmm. But good improv has to know where to cut. I mean, you can go ahead and, you know, run with something. But especially in a movie, you have to be able to cut and, and mm -hmm. trim it down and, and take just the best parts of it. Don't let something run from beginning to end. I think the problem that Paul Feig had was he had what a lot of comedians refer to as a laughing ear. In other words, he heard laughs that weren't there. Oh, mm -hmm. um, and I think Paul Feig, he was... I think he's too easy of a room, and he's laughing too much at these jokes, and he had to know when to cut. I think a lot of this stuff would have worked a heck of a lot better if he knew where to cut these scenes and not let them run too long, but he mm -hmm. didn't. And I think that was the big problem, because you had four brilliant comedians, and I think they are the type of people who you should be able to allow to cut loose and, and do their own thing. But at the end of the day, you got to be able to edit it, and I mm -hmm. think that's where the big problem was but like i said this new ghostbusters is coming up that there's a lot of buzz of course because you get this teaser trailer and nobody had any idea this was coming and i think they're saying we're going to see it 2020 wow yep that's they need to start <laughs> so awesome since we're talking about movies let's talk a little bit about the two movies i did happen to see over the vacation and these were ones that uh, we had talked about before we went on the break i did finally get to see aquaman oh yeah nice so Aquaman is a story about this young man who was born outside of this kingdom, who is part of the kingdom and part not, and he decides, because of circumstances, to go back to the kingdom, and he is an heir to the throne and has to fight the king in ritual combat. So wait, are we talking about Black Panther? Or? 
<laughs> well, see, the difference... Well, yeah, doesn't that sound an awful lot like Black Panther? Except for the fact that the Aquaman role in Black Panther was played by Michael B. Jordan, and he was the villain in that one. <laughs> Which, not to get too political, but the difference was, in Black Panther, Michael B. Jordan wanted to go to war, and in Aquaman, King Orm, the Ocean Master, he was the one who wanted to go to war. So... <laughs> It's kind of funny that in the United States, when we decide to go to war, that's patriotic. But when we go to the movies, the people who want to go to war are the villains. Mm -hmm. I don't know why that is. <laughs> I'm not making any kind of... Uh, I'm just noticing that that seems to be the case. I have to say, I, Aquaman has done really, really well. Yeah, uh, people, it sounds like it. It's, it's one, of the, one of the most... Grossing. Yeah, top grossing of the, of the DC films. It's even getting to a point where it's getting ready to cross over and make more money than the second Nolan Batman film, which was uh -huh, their top mm -hmm. grossing. But, of course, to say that it's one of the best DC films at this point, I mean, the bar's not really all that high mm -hmm. uh, at this point. But the fact that it looked a heck of a lot different than these dull, dingy, drab, depressing DC movies that we've got in the past. I mean, besides Wonder Woman, which did really well and was, mm -hmm. was a pattern break, really, with the type of stuff that we're used to seeing from DC, Aquaman was the same thing. I mean, it wasn't a perfect film. It certainly had its problems, I think. And we'll go into a little bit of spoiler here, but you know, you have Nicole Kidman playing Atlanta, Aquaman's mother, mm -hmm. who was sacrificed to the trench people, you know, which is the reason why Aquaman was not really all that happy with Atlantis. But of course, the moment they said that, you're like, ah, she'll be back as Nicole Kidman. They're not going to kill off Nicole Kidman, and of course, <laughs> they didn't kill off Nicole Kidman, and she comes back. So, mm -hmm. so Nicole Kidman is our Angela Bassett of <laughs> yeah. the DC universe. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Don't get me wrong. I'm glad she came back. I mean, mm -hmm. she was great on the screen, and and her story was was integral. To, well, that's well, classic comic book. You know, people oh, yeah. die and they come back to life. It's oh, Jean yeah. Grey every two weeks. Exactly. But like I said, I mean, there were there were issues with it. There were some strange moments. There was a moment with Mira uh, Ann Hurd where she saves Aquaman's dad when basically the coast get hit, gets hit by a wave. This was the first attack Atlantis and King Orm does to the surface people. Basically hits every coast with these huge waves of trash. Mm -hmm. Which is something else. Let me, as an aside, I can say one of the things I really enjoyed about Aquaman is they got the idea that, hey, you can't just have a villain being villainous. Mm -hmm. They have to feel like what they're doing is justified. And if, quite frankly, if where you live is getting trash dumped into it constantly and chemicals and poison, yeah, you're going to be a little upset about that. Yep. But you have Mirror saving, saving Aquaman's dad, and it's at that moment where he finally asks her what her name is. And I'm like, you mean, okay... They talked in Justice League. They were talking on a pier before, you know, where she's trying to get him to come back to Atlantis and be the king. And he's like, I, I have no interest in being the king. And Arthur's dad nearly drowns. She saves him. And then he decides to find out what her name is. After all. <laughs> I was like, well, wait a minute. He didn't know who she was? Mm -hmm. Especially in Justice League, it seemed like they'd been talking for a while. Mm-hmm. That just seemed kind of weird to me. I'm like, you're just now getting Maybe her. you just had better things to do. <laughs> Possibly. That may be it. Sometimes, you know, you just hang out with somebody and you're just like, oh, crap, I don't know what her name is. Mm -hmm. 
I have to agree with some people that they said, you know, you have this relationship between Arthur and Mira that develops over the course of the movie, and the chemistry's not quite there, and I can see why people would say that. Yeah, I mean, it did seem kind of abrupt when they were finally put together. I mean, they seemed like they were buddies and pals, but the will she, uh, will they or won't they kind of the thing just didn't really come off for me. But I can definitely say that, oh, it was a gorgeous film. It was standard fare, I would say, as far as plot's concerned. I mean, you, you've seen this before, but you haven't seen it from D.C. before. And I did, in fact, enjoy it. And I can see why it's making good money. But it did make me feel kind of stupid because there was a moment where they announced Aquaman as the king of Atlantis and they announced him as King Arthur. <laughs> and I had I'd never occurred to me before. Yes, he is King Arthur. <laughs> and the thing about it was he basically, the plot of this movie was for him to become king. He needed to go find Excalibur or he had to find this trident that mm-hmm. was the powerful. Stuck in an anvil and a stone? <laughs> well, no, basically in a real sense, guarded by Cthulhu, I think. Uh-huh, okay. By a, by a kaiju. So mm-hmm. he wasn't going to get it unless this kaiju allowed him to get it. So... There was a moment of, it's not about strength, it's about being worthy. So it is very much a King Arthur tale in that aspect, is mm-hmm. that he has to prove himself worthy before he can... Because his stupid plan was to go after King Orm at the right at the beginning and challenge him to a duel. And he got his butt whooped, basically, mm-hmm. is what happened. So he had not earned the right to actually be the king. Mm-hmm. You know, and like I said, I said King Arthur had, had all these years. I knew his name was Arthur Curry, mm-hmm. and I knew he was the King of Atlantis, but I'd never put two and two together King until Arthur. that moment. I'm like, oh, I'm, mm-hmm. you know, slap my forehead. I was like, mm-hmm. why did I not see this until now? Mm-hmm. But I really enjoyed that movie. And the other movie that I saw over the break was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Uh-huh. And I really, really, really enjoyed that of film. Of course. So much so, in fact, that I have to say at this point, this is now my favorite Spider-Man film of all time. Oh. It is my absolute favorite. I mean, Homecoming was, was the top of the heap for the longest time. and But I have I to say, too. Spider-Verse happened to beat it. I enjoyed mm-hmm. the heck out of it. It was a wonderful film. And it had a lot of, it had a lot of Easter eggs to uh, Spider-Man comics, and getting to see all these different itinerations of Spider-Man was fantastic. Mm -hmm. And there were some surprises, a lot of things I didn't expect. Now, of course, I'm a Spider-Man fan, so the issue with Miles Morales and his uncle was not anything new to me. It was, I'm sure it was a big surprise to people who had not followed Ultimate Spider-Man, but to me, of course, I saw that that little twist coming. Mm -hmm. But again, the main villain was Kingpin. Like I said before, I really enjoy when you understand why villains are doing what they're doing, even if you don't agree with how they're doing it. And the whole deal was with the Kingpin. He had this machine that could open up rifts between dimensions, given to him by Dr. Octopus. Oh, hmm. Okay. Which was a real surprise. And we're going to go into spoilers. So if you haven't seen Into the Spider-Verse, what the heck are you doing? But pause now because you don't want to hear this. But the real surprise was, of course, Dr. Octopus in this world is a female. And a lot of people who are used to Doc Ock being a guy, when she was just this scientist, and then when she drops her coat and these arms come out, you're like, it's, What? Mm-hmm. You're, it, it was great. Yeah. Let's go back to the kingpin. The reason why he's using Dr. Octopus's equipment to break down the walls of, of these different dimensions is in this world... 
he's been a villain of Spider-Man for a while, and he was fighting Spider-Man when his wife Vanessa and their son walked in and saw them fight. And at this point, she didn't realize that the Kingpin was a villain, much less an, an enemy of Spider-Man. And so she freaks out, takes her son, and they, they run away. Mm-hmm. And get in the car and drive off and wind up getting hit by a car and killed. Oh. Mm-hmm. So the Kingpin loses his wife and his son, but finds out there are alternate dimensions. And all of them have a Vanessa mm-hmm. and her, his son. If he can open up a dimension, he can pick another one and and bring his family bring his back. Family back to life, yeah. Exactly. So he can just get another set and then continue on with his life. That's what he's trying to do. He's mm-hmm. trying to put his family back together in kind of a messed up way when you think about yeah. it. Yeah. By stealing a Vanessa and and you from know, another from another kingpin, world, yeah, yeah, from another world, mm-hmm. and he's basically by activating this machine, he's taking the real risk of all of these universes colliding together and destroying each other. Right. But, of course, he's not thinking about that. He just mm-hmm. wants his wife and his and his son back. And there's a lot of stuff going on. You have this moments with Miles Morales trying to figure out how to use his powers, but also to figure out really what his place is in the world. And he's wanting to be helpful, but he's not good enough. He doesn't know his power, powers well enough yet. And so all these spider characters... Spider-Man and Spider-Women. You got Spider-Gwen and Penny mm-hmm. Parker and Peter Porker, the amazing Spider-Ham. And <laughs> Spider-Man Noir, played by Nicolas Cage. Oh, well, tell me that he's black and white and wears a fedora. Yes. Really? Absolutely. I was joking. Oh, my gosh. That's brilliant. No, he's he's a hard-boiled detective. Yes, he's black <laughs> and white. He's a, As a matter of fact, they give him a Rubik's Cube, and he's trying to figure out the colors, and he doesn't know them. <laughs> oh, Yes. That's wonderful. Yes, indeed. And then, of course, you have the Aunt May of that world, voiced by Lily Tomlin. And she's amazing. And, of course, she's helping them out because apparently she worked with Peter together. And they had, you know, this secret kind of a lair that had all this Spider-Man stuff in it. A bat cave. Sort of like a bat cave, Mm -hmm. but it's more of a spider cave. But it was really cool. And there's this, basically, where your third act comes in is because since Miles Morales isn't skilled enough to be able to to show up at the other fight. You remember I was telling you the other spider entities can't stay in that world because they're glitching Mm because they're in the wrong place. But if Miles Morales can't send them back, well, Peter Parker decides to stay behind so that everybody else can get sent back, but he's going to die. Mm -hmm. And the reason why he's willing to stay behind is because his situation in his world is not the best. Aunt May has died in his world. He and and Mary Jane have divorced. Mm. She doesn't really talk to him anymore. He's kind of let himself go. He's paunchy, you know. (laughs) And so he's like, I really don't have anything to live for. I can do one last heroic act as a sacrifice. And so for Miles Morales to be able to step up to the plate, you know, to save Peter... Because he saw his world's Peter die. He was Mm -hmm. there when it happened. To be able to save this this other Peter Parker and to defeat the Kingpin on his own, because that's what he's going to have to do, because everybody else has been sent home. And to defeat him in in a way that's poetic and pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. We'll just say that. I I don't know if I want to go into it more than that, but it's amazing. Like I said, it was easily my favorite of the spider-man movie so far i enjoyed the heck out of it it was 
It was enjoyable front to back. Getting to see Miles Morales tear it up on the big screen was amazing. I loved all the Easter eggs. I loved the after credit stuff that they did because mm. they, they did some after credit stuff, which was oh. hilarious. And there's a lot of references to some of the other movies. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that they drew in to the, uh, the animated movie. And the Spider-Man Christmas album had to be the funniest thing ever. <laughs> and that became a thing. But I love this film. I loved it. It's still in theaters right now. If you haven't seen it yet, do not miss your opportunity. Check it out. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. Oh, excellent. And so before we go... We did promise that we would talk a little bit of Doctor Who. Yeah. And so while we were out on the break, we did get to see the New Year's episode. It came out. But before Mm -hmm. that, we did say that we would talk about the season finale. Mm -hmm. Because you have seen it finally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that weird name that nobody's going to remember. Because the Battle of, and I'm I'm not looking at it in front of me, so I'm Avcorv or -hmm. or whatever. It's just a really kind of a screw. So what did you think about it now that you've seen it? I think it lacked what I wanted from a season finale. Yeah. Um, maybe I wanted a cliffhanger. I'm not sure. But I enjoyed it as a story. And yeah. I think they did you know, a good job expanding the mythos of this doctor. And I think she did it really well. I think the characters are developing more. And I'm just really looking forward to more. Yeah. What did you think about the season in general? The entire season? I think they did a good job. And they, it left me wanting more. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. I'm very excited to see, disappointed that we don't get any for a long time. I want to see more. I want to see what else they're going to do. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I will say this, and as often as I've been accused of being a fanboy on, on a bunch of different things, I mean, probably that it's more most justified with Doctor Who than anything <laughs> else. But I will say the season wasn't perfect, and I've said this before. The first season of any Doctor is always the shakiest because they're having to learn to write for this person, for this new actor. But I will say this, as far as this season was concerned. Now, I mean, the first episode, the opening episode, had to be the first episode. It's where it needed to be. The second episode was sort of a continuation where, you know, you, they had to find the TARDIS. So it's sort of like, in a sense, it was kind of a general, like a two-parter in a sense, mm-hmm. even though the stories themselves weren't tied in to a huge degree. But I would say besides the fact that, you know, you have Graham and Ryan... And that thread of where they're trying to kind of build this relationship. Mm-hmm. I mean, besides that, you really didn't have any kind of through line in these episodes. So much so, in fact, that I'd say after the second episode, for the most part, except for the, like I said, that one little through line, you could take those episodes, you could put them in a hat and mix them up, and you could pretty much play them in any mm-hmm. order, and it doesn't matter. Yeah, very, very anthology. Yeah. Yep, very Monster of the Week. Yeah, very you know? Monster of the Week. And I think... Especially with Doctor Who, that can be a great weakness because usually their weakest episodes are their monster of the week, where it's something mm-hmm. that's kind of cut off from the from the main story. But when you don't have the, that big through line, you do lose a lot of profluence in the story mm-hmm. um, in the season. Now, I will disagree with you as far as like Blink is concerned, because I tell people, you know, if you've never watched Doctor Who, watch Blink. Yeah, it's the most time travel episode. It's fantastic. Yeah, well, and it's outside of the the through line. Yes, and, and to a degree where you, uh, I mean, you don't even see the Doctor that much in it. Right. And I, I would mm-hmm. say, I would say that's definitely the exception that proves the rule. But I think a lot of that had to do with there was a lot of great writing, and you mm-hmm. you were introduced to this really fascinating monster yes. that has made several appearances afterwards. I mean, certainly not to the same strength that they made in the original appearance, but yeah, I mean, 
I think that, uh, I mean, with this season, they're building Jodie Whittaker up, and like I said, I would have liked to have seen some kind of a, a through line to help mm-hmm. kind of give us some momentum. I would have liked to have seen a, a season finale that had a little more oomph to it, like well, you said. Yeah, well, you know, and even though they did bring in the Daleks for the New Year's special, still, after, you know, watching the entire series, the worst villain was Eric from Norway. Yeah. And the entire, every, oh, yeah. from all the episodes was still Eric from Norway who left <laughs> left his blind daughter in the middle yeah. of the, the middle of the woods and made her think there were monsters coming after yeah. just so he could go shack up with he his was, dead wife. Yeah, he was definitely the most villainous because <laughs> and this is the other problem that I had. I mean, the only other through line really that they had and I can't even call it a through line was the Stenza. Mm-hmm. You have Sim Shaw of the Stenza the first episode and the last episode and I mentioned the Sim Shaw in the second episode. But I don't really care about the them tooth at all. Fairy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's like, oh, they're a warrior race. Um, how many of them have I seen before? Mm-hmm. And the thing about it is, they're like a, a tier three villain as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. I mean, you mentioned the Daleks. Do I think that they would have much of a chance against the Daleks? No. No. Or the Cybermen? Mm-hmm. Or... Although uh, the Santarans. Well, that's what I was kind of thinking just now. The Santarans. I just, I would like to see that vocal exchange. Hear them talking to each other. I think it would be hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's like I just did not really care about the Stenza. I just didn't, especially when they were supposed to be the big bad villain. And this is the other thing too: is that I don't know really during the season when the Doctor was really challenged. I think that a lot of the things the Doctor had to deal with, those were kind of slow pitches for her, especially somebody who's been around as long as she has. She wasn't really challenged Mm -hmm. during the season. There wasn't really something that you're like, "Uh, she's not going to be able to get around this. I mean, she was slow pitched too. Mm -hmm. And I would have liked to have seen her pushed a little bit during the season, which is why when we got to the New Year's episode, I mean, this is the moment where your heart stops. Your heart stops because... As much as you might like the show, they're bringing in a Dalek. Daleks have been the Doctor's white whale forever. Mm-hmm. And the first appearance of the Daleks for any Doctor is a huge deal. And if Jodie Whittaker isn't up to the task, or if Chris Chibnall and his writing isn't up to the task, it's going to be pretty obvious. Because if you can't get the Daleks to work in a Doctor Who episode, you are in a world of trouble. Mm-hmm. And the thing about it is, especially with Jodie Whittaker's portrayal of the Doctor, I mean, the Daleks always bring the worst out of the Doctor. That is the Doctor's shadow. And so if you have an actor who's playing the Doctor very two-dimensionally, you put that Doctor up against the Daleks, especially in New Who, and boy, is it going to be painfully obvious. So, like I said, I had a little bit of trepidation going into that episode because I knew if there are any weaknesses with uh, Jody or with Chris Chibnall or with the new showrunner, with the uh, the new writers or anything in the show, it was going to be blatantly obvious in this episode. And it was a little bit weird because the, this Dalek was doing things that Daleks haven't done before, <laughs> you know. And we're going into spoilers again for uh, <laughs> Geek Watchers, so if you haven't seen that episode, you know, steer away. But, you know, we have a Dalek that's a skin writer, and apparently... With Daleks, yes, Daleks don't die. We've all, we've already figured that out in the Peter Capaldi episodes, which we won't go into a whole lot of detail because I know you haven't seen them yet. <laughs> but you can cut a Dalek into three pieces, and they'll live. They'll still live forever, and they can teleport 
to the same place, which is something new. I, yeah. not, not that I consider that a complaint, mm-hmm. but I mean, certainly something that the Daleks haven't been able to do before. Yeah, seeing the Dalek outside of the shell, I mean, it's always been creepy, but I mean, mm-hmm. it was extra creepy at this point. And like I do have a starfish. Have to, yeah, kind of a starfish mm-hmm. octopus thing. But I will say this after seeing Jodie Whittaker facing this Dalek, a lot of my concerns that I had did go away. Way to go. Because I really felt like she brought into the sort of that, that darkness aspect of how the doctor, you know, almost like I said, the Daleks are the doctor's white whale. Mm hmm. It's definitely that character that the doctor tends to get a little more reckless and a, lo- a little a little more thoughtless when it comes to certain things mm-hmm. because you know the doctor understands how dangerous these things are, how ruthless they are, and how there's really no not only is there really no room for mistake but also the fact that being compassionate can be a real problem, and the mm-hmm. doctor wants to be compassionate. And some, especially with the dialects, you're taking a real risk. Mm-hmm. I love that. When she turned, she said, "You heard me. You heard me. I gave him a chance." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's definitely that moment where the doctor is conflicted because when you're dealing with something like the dialects, it seems like the most appropriate thing is being merciless, which goes against everything that the doctor stands for and believes mm-hmm. in. And especially when you got to the Peter Capaldi, well, like I said, not going into a whole lot of details about it, but there was really that, you see a lot in those episodes where he dealt with Daleks, where it's like, there's that question is of the Doctor, you know, just how good is the Doctor in reality? Mm -hmm. There's that point, am I a good man? The Mm -hmm. Doctor asked that question. And especially when dealing with the Daleks, he's not sure. Mm -hmm. You saw the episode, I mean, what Mm -hmm. were your impressions of it? This was more exciting than the season finale. You know, this gave me what what I wanted in a season finale, which made me want more. And like I said, when they brought uh, the dad in and, you know, saying, where were you and stuff. And I think that was heartbreaking and and growing. And that was a good choice, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, certainly that a lot of us have tried to run away from our problems, especially when we don't feel like we have what it takes. Mm -hmm. We don't think that we have the wherewithal or the ability to solve a problem, we just tend to run away from it. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, you hurt people. And so that was really believable. You know, I'd like to see that character again in some mm-hmm. in, in some more episodes. But of course it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a while. Be we a long time. Because I don't know when they're starting shooting. They may they may actually be shooting new, but I mean we're not gonna see anything until the fall, if even then. Mm-hmm. But it may be the first part of twenty twenty before we see anything. And I mean that's nothing new. I mean I'm trying to think of maybe the Matt Smith, we didn't have a a long break like that. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, even in the Peter Capaldi episode, we had back-to-back Christmas specials with nothing in between them. Right. And, of course, we had the same issue with uh, the Tenth Doctor where we we did get maybe like four or five specials. But, you know, there wasn't any regular episodes Mm -hmm. of Doctor Who for that, like that last year of David Tennant's run. We had an Easter special that year. Yeah. I mean, it's not anything new. But especially with, well, we talked about this before, but especially with a brand new doctor going on a hiatus like that. Wow. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping this next season that we get more of a through line and we start getting that. I'm not saying that we need to go back to the, the way things were, have been run, you know, with the previous showrunner and everything with Stephen Moffat, that we need to have these really elaborate through lines that I think in some cases worked against Moffat because... You know, we talked about this on the show before, but he likes to 
paint himself in the corners, and he doesn't always stick the landing when it comes to mm-hmm. coming out of them again. And I don't think you necessarily need to go that elaborate. But, and you've said this too, but also you want to see something a little more exciting, and you want the show, each episode, to set up, you know, this desire to see what happens next. Mm-hmm. It needs to leave you with some kind of a, of a question. You don't want to have the one-and-done kind of wrap-up episodes mm-hmm. like we had this last season. You know, like I said, normally with a season finale, you've been waiting for an entire season to figure out where how is this going to mm-hmm. pan out. And we didn't have that. We just had another, we had a return of a monster that we saw, you know, in the first episode. But that's really all there was to it. And it didn't even really need to beat Simshaw. It could have been anybody, really, mm-hmm. except for, you know, Graham's, his issue. You know, the issue that he had with Simshaw and wanting to to get his revenge. Avenge, yep. Yeah, although his, him deciding not to do it at the, at the last minute was kind of, it's kind of shifty. It's mm-hmm. like, really? I mean, I think it had more to do with the plot needed him to decide not to kill Simshaw than mm-hmm. anything that actually happened during the episode that would make him decide to change his mind. Again, we don't know when we're going to see the, the new episodes, but here's hoping that uh, now that they've got that first season out of the way, that uh, and they've... Uh, Got their legs that we, <laughs> that we can uh, see. Uh, we can see a season that has, uh, like I said, maybe a little more of a through line into it, a little more excitement, and give us something to look forward to in this uh, coming season. So, yep. And so, with that said, we come to the end of episode fifty-two of the Geek Watch podcast. Thank you for listening, and tune in next week for the latest in geek news and views with the Geek Watch podcast. For Mandy Petrie, this is Brian Hatcher reminding all the geek watchers out there. We're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Geek Watch Podcast. If you enjoyed this program, don't forget to like and subscribe on your preferred platform and share this podcast on your social media. For links to all the ways you can listen to the Geek Watch Podcast, as well as leave comments and suggestions, visit our website at geekwatch.net. The Geek Watch Podcast is a Hanging J production.